I watched Free Solo again. And oh, um, well. it is one of those where Rochelle's like, why are you watching this? You don't climb. I'm like, yeah, but there's something about it. Like his mental preparation, his, totally. you know, kind of the, the whole planning when he's sitting there and he's like laying in his, you know, his bedroll and he's like thinking to him, you know, he's like literally like talking out loud, finger hold. Like, and he's like talking about everything. He's like swing to the left, swing to the right and whatever he was saying, you know, yep. he was mentally going through every single step that he would do. Yeah. It's incredible. And I was just like, like if we, you know, if we're supposed to in architecture, you know, have that kind of planning where like we think through everything so that there's like no real missteps, you know, and, and not all the time can you do that, but I mean, but you're, you're thinking through it just to make sure that, okay, I've hit everything that I need to hit. I understand what's going on. You know, I, I know this route. I know what I need to do. Now I just have to do it. And sort of what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We plan through all of this stuff. Yep. Or at least hope to. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever met, and I've met some really sharp architects and I've met some really sharp project managers. And, and I don't know if I've met anybody who goes through that kind of like mental right. preparation and that kind of planning. You know why you and don't? Like, because you're not going to die. Uh, yeah, true. You're not going to die. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> well, that's kind of an interesting idea, actually, to talk about. <laughs> right? Lack of that kind of focus. I mean, this is uh, this is something that's come up. I was talking. I was I was talking to a guy yesterday for my other podcast, and and just talking about how change that it we many people see that's necessary yeah you know the stuff that we were talking about in the the dinosaur episode um but that it is so hard to pull our attention away from the deadline driven um i mean can't think of a better way to really describe it but it, it is a comfort zone although many people would not think of it as a comfort zone right that that kind of deadline driven stressful but being comfortable within that because that's what you've been trained to do it really takes over and and it's interesting that that alone is something that keeps us from progressing forward and it's yeah in the bigger picture sense obviously the project is progressing forward but for what so that you can do another project right or so that you're adding that to your resume but it's not necessarily big picture moving us together forward. It's it's more of a personal or a team or a, or a office well, I mean, endeavor. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just because, you know, you move from project to project to project because you never really, so you have to like stay, okay, so, oh, you know, we need a new project uh, manager for this project. Oh, this is very similar and it's got some, you know, similar demands. It's or like who's available. Last project here or who's available. <laughs> it's like, hey, so let's put Cormac on that. And so I move from, similar project to similar project to similar project in there. So in, in, in my, in my case, you know, one of the things that's kind of like preventing me from kind of like thinking outside of the box or, you know, trying to do anything more innovative and stuff is because it is exactly what you said. It is deadline driven. So I have to like meet all of these deadlines. So I don't have time to really stop and, you know, like smell the roses and say, Okay. What if? Ooh, look, there's another yeah. path over there, or right. over another path over there. I, I've got to say, okay, my path is clear. It's like there is the there is the end goal. Here is the start path. Here are all of the things that I need to do to that. And I don't really have time because 
we in architecture don't really equip ourselves with the time to like innovate beyond that in kind of like the settings that we work in where you've got, you know, and, and then you go from project to project to project because that's the system that you it's have the machine. to machine. Yeah, it's the machine that's and been built. It's the machine. You've got to continue to keep feeding the machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a interesting kind of chicken and egg conundrum that that people are stuck within because architects sell time for money and the time that we sell should be spent on the client's project, which further blinds us to what's going on in out there, right? Because yeah. because if I can't spend time out there because I can't bill for that time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, a, it, the guy know, that I was like, talking to. He's a his name's Dion Molt, and and so this the episode will be coming out soon. But it's um you know he developed a add in for Blender, and it's called Blender BIM, and it's like not Revit, not interested, right? I think that's what a lot of people would would say. Um, but at the same time, there's there's a whole range of of technologies and stuff out there. So I'll just use that as the example. as it's like a majority kind of an example. But it is like very much a, a comfort thing, right? I use this thing. I'm very comfortable. I'm fast in it. It does what I need it to do, which is ultimately produce two-dimensional drawings so that something can get built. But he's developing this thing because of the oppressive nature of Autodesk and software companies that are basically deciding your workflow as an architect. Right. They're right. making the right. decisions and you are just going along with it. Right. And he's yeah. he's taking a step back and saying, look, man, like you're going to develop your own workflow that works best for you and for your clients and for your projects. Your software should support that, not drive it. If if we all agree that software and technology is the way that we deliver these things, it should be it should come in that order, not the way that most architects approach this, which is what is the off the shelf solution that I can use and bend my will to use that software to deliver my projects. Right, right. But again, it, it is a, a deadline-driven mentality, and I've got to deliver this project, and this is a thing I've already got all these sunk costs into, and the switching costs are very high. We've got content, we've got templates, we've got training, we've got consultants, we've got all this stuff. And right. uh, and, and you know who knows that? Well, Those big software vendors. <laughs> why disturb the apple cart? We've already got everything we need. And then and they the continue thing about to raise is, prices 30% yeah. every couple of years, and you will pay it because you are in deeper every time. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's interesting because you say that because then kind of like the point where we were talking about like where that we could go with this conversation is, so you were, you're so stuck on that path that kind of like that workflow that is kind of almost predetermined and that doesn't really afford you any opportunity or time to like basically do some research and development, go out there and see what else is out there, not only in the software and the kind of like workflow productivity side of things, but also like, you know, sometimes you don't even have time to like go and research uh, new products or things like that. It's just mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what do I need to, you know, I, I have a glass slider here, which, you know, what, what glass slider have I used before? Okay. Here's one. Mm-hmm. Here's a detail that's very similar to that one to kind of like help me with meeting my deadlines and things like that. And yeah, I'll reach out to that manufacturer because that's the only, that's the, all the time that I really have. And so we're so set on looking for that, that we don't even innovate 
you know, not only with like our software, but we don't even innovate with the products that we use or the detailing that we use. Oh, yeah, because, because we've already spent the time to do it before. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's two buckets, right? This is what I say <laughs> when I'm talking to architects. And there's two buckets that we fall into. And I don't think we think about this that often, but it, we know it is true. It's just kind of intrinsic to the way that we work. The one is we just keep specking the same stuff over and over because we've already spent the time, done the research, drawn the details. It's in the spec. Yep. Yep. And time is money, right? So yeah, I'm going to keep reusing the same stuff. And this, this, uh, contributes to that lack of innovation in the material space for sure. And the, into the, the one thing that all of our buildings are made out of, right? Right. All these products. Or we go into this unknown, which is like, I don't know where I'm going and I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I really don't know where I'm going to end up. Uh, and which is Google, right? I'm going to search right. the entire web and I end up somehow shopping <laughs> for shoes, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's it. That Those are the two kind of main buckets that people fall into. And there isn't really a, a happy medium there because the, the trust and the relationships and the time that it takes to kind of vet through stuff. It sucks, man. The whole system right. sucks. It's totally broken. But we go along with it like it's a status quo, just like we go along with our main technology stack as if it's the status quo. I mean, there's very few people actually identified within companies who are enabled to, to come up with new ways of working. And, and, and even when they do, there's so much pushback from, you know, middle management because there's, uh, that's not efficient to integrate right. new workflows that potentially save you time in the long run because they don't mm -hmm. necessarily save you time right now. Or it's like, why are you looking at that? You should be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, how are you ever going to innovate? How are you ever going to find something else? I mean, it's only after something that you've provided what you thought were your tried and true go-tos and something fails or something doesn't perform the way that it is. It's the only time that you're ever really forced to get out of your comfort zone and go find something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have a new and, kind of different challenge. Right. But, you know, it, and then you sit there and you like, we have uh, lunch and learns that we, we do in the office and every once in a great while some new product or something that we don't really typically use or we don't look at as often comes through and you're like, dude, why the hell didn't we use that? Yeah, it, because we didn't it, know it was there. You didn't know it was there. And now that you're learning about it, you have kind of this FOMO feeling. You feel bad. And, <laughs> yeah. and just because the, the timing wasn't right. Right. You know, so right. the exactly. ill-timed nature of lunch and learns it's like this is going to be great maybe someday <laughs> because it's too late for for the last exactly. thing exactly and it's, it's not appropriate right now so yeah. that that's a total mess as well for sure yeah and, and and i'll tell you i mean there's a lot of products out there that are like great innovative products uh new performance meets a lot of the different criteria that you're hoping for that your right. products that you typically you know spend are but you just don't know they're there. And what ends up happening is you, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll remember that next time. No, you won't. No, you won't. If, Why won't you? Because if you have a fantastic memory Rolodex way of archiving information that you can, which r rarely exists. I mean, that is definitely right. the exception, not the rule. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is, is, you know, in one ear, out the other. I mean, there'll, there'll be times where I will bookmark some stuff. You know, it's like, okay, I had this great lunch and learn, learn about this new product, really like this product, really think that this is something that 
will elevate our design, but also going to elevate the performance of this building. And I'll bookmark those and make sure that I kind of like stay in contact with them. But for the most part, a lot of times it's kind of like in one year and out the other kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Because it's like, ooh, okay. that sandwich was delicious. <laughs> They're bringing in a barbecue. Awesome. Food drives. <laughs> Food drives it, attendance. Is yeah. this just a lear- is this a learning unit or is this a HSW? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, HSW. I'm there. Learning unit. Uh, I can get that anywhere. <laughs> right. So I mean, we we hamper ourselves, and 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 it's only because of the machine feeding the machine that we really do that because we just don't. I mean, is it bad to say the excuse is that we just don't have time? Because I, I know it's that we do care. It's just at the time we don't care because we don't have the time. So you just like you don't have time to not care or care. Yeah, it's Does about priority. Sense? It comes down to priorities, though, right? Like that's that's what I hear when I hear about when I hear somebody say, "Oh, I'm so busy," or "I don't have time." Um, yeah, is yeah. that is that the priorities are messed up, right? And right. Right. You, you can't prioritize the important, urgent things on the top. You can only prioritize the things that you can see that are five feet in front of you, right? Because that's the next ball that Pac-Man's got to eat, right? <laughs> it's like, what? it's right there. I'm in this lane. I'm in this chasm. And this is the only direction I can go. I can't even turn around and go back because that would be wasting time. So it's, right. it is an issue. And what's interesting to me is that like, these are the kinds of things that I can step back and think about in my my new role, but also <laughs> these are the things that nobody talks about when you're in school. Nobody talks about this stuff. It's crazy to me that all of our design logic and design intent and metadata and information and all this stuff is locked into a file format, right? It's an RVT. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that is by design. Like, make no mistake that that is totally by design. But we're just seemingly kind of going along. For that ride and there's this other possible i mean when you're in school right you nobody tells you what piece of software to use nobody cares nobody demands at the end of the term that you turn in a certain file type that they're never going to open or look at or use which is what many clients do because they think that that adds some value to the contract and you know they get some rvt file and they don't know what to do with it they they don't even have the software to open it etc cetera, right, etc cetera. right and not, not only that, but they're not going to keep that license up to date and continue to that. I mean, that is the hope from the software manufacturer, right? Is that we're going to expand our audience to owners where they also have to own that piece of software to even maintain their and operate their building over time if they're going to actually use the true potential of BIM. But there is an alternative out there and it... it that I think is probably the most exciting development that's come along. And, and you know, the, the idea of file formats is going away. Um, although it is a very easy to understand system for people to organize things, right? So the downside is like your, the iPhone for so many years didn't have a file system. All right. Now you have a right. files app, but still like files are inside of apps, right? Or they're in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And that is a very nebulous thing for people to understand it's very difficult to organize your project and organize who's doing what and where so i get it but at the same time like the future isn't going to be locked into file types it's going to be these programs just talk to each other right these are 
windows into kind of like viewports in AutoCAD. They're windows into another place and they seamlessly send and receive and talk the same language. That's how it should be. Like nobody should care what app you're doing it in as long as the underlying data, kind of like a web browser, Mm, is just rendering code onto your screen. That's what we're talking about for architecture, right? Because there is a lot of embedded information and logic and sequencing and scheduling and materiality and uh, testing reports. And like, there's all of these kind of metrics of by which things are measured by and these embedded into all these elements. And it is complex. It's seriously complex. And then you start lumping in HVAC and structural and electrical and plumbing and, and all of these layers of complexity into that. And you can't, you can't like wrap your head around all of that. You can wrap your head around your domain and then understand that we're all professionals here and we're going to work it out as we go. But who cares what app you're doing it in as long as the project is renderable by all of those various people. Ultimately, like that's how it should be. And that's actually how we can move things forward because I think another detrimental side effect to the way that people go along with you know proprietary file formats and applications like we have been is that it doesn't force us to work together it forces us to work separately and so therefore people are remaking the same freaking dynamo graphs and grasshopper scripts as every other firm out there because they're you know, just kind of turning a blind eye to the online community of sh- of sharing, but you're still sharing files. You're not sharing workflows and updates. Like everybody's got these folders full of scripts mm-hmm. that everybody else has too. They're just slightly different, right? So we don't work together as a profession. We don't work together as a as a discipline. Um, and I think that you know that there's so much potential there, but it is such a hard problem to tackle. We're so we're in so deep. We've got those cement boots on at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, so you, I mean, you know, what's funny is you basically just explained my current conundrum is, uh, you know, this this new project that I'm working on because they they have um, so many set protocols that, that we need to follow and so many different programs that are mandatory. And they're things that aren't things that we use and they they aren't things that, you know, like in architecture, we would really invest the time and money and training into because it's just something we don't use on a day to day basis. It doesn't fit your workflow, right? Right. Like right. give, give some examples really, of that. What are you, what are you talking about? Uh, specifically, um, Primavera P6. I mean, you know, this is a so you know, is scheduling. That? Yeah. So it, it's a it's a scheduling app. It um, it can track, you know, your your money. It it creates you know things like task curves and all of these other things that honestly are things that we don't deal with all the time. However, they are requirements for this particular project that are done, you know, that are being required from us by a project management company. Bean counters, you know, yeah. Not at, well. I mean, you know, I mean, I understand like the the rationale behind it. It's mm-hmm. just, but it's not inherent to like our workflow creative process and so yeah. exactly and so when you know we we can create a lot of the things that they're asking for within our workflow and we go to like microsoft projects and we can you know put pull things together and um you know collaborate you know in teams and then we can you know start to um 
you know, do things in just kind of like a little bit more standard format of like the things that we know how to do because, you know, we're, but we're spending a lot of time kind of like researching and, and either going out and hiring somebody who can actually do all of this work or, you know, training people within the office to do that work. And like, so now they've lose productivity and we're kind of like fumbling through all of that, trying to get that stuff done. It is exactly the same. Yeah. This is the problem. Yeah. Because you're, you're fighting against it, but you're also like dipping your toe in and you're weighing the, the pros and cons to hiring a consultant who really knows what they're doing versus training yourself and going through that painful process, not knowing if it's going to pay off in the future on additional projects or not. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and and we know that, you know, this is most likely something that we're never going to use again, other than when we interface with contractors who will be providing us these P6 schedules that we still won't use. I mean, not the way that, you know, we use our schedule. You won't get the value out of it that they would. Exactly. So we know we'll never get the value out of it. And it is a costly it is the as far as time of, goes, right? It's well, costly. Cost, it's costly both in the program and the time. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I've we've talked with people who have been using it for decades and still don't really, you know, like use it on a daily basis. It's like any mature application. People use like what twenty percent of it, right? Yeah, they're like, you know, hey, uh, we're going to be using um, uh, P six for this, and then they look at it, it's just like, really, what kind of experience do you have? None. Like, yeah, yeah. good luck. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You are. Well, I mean, it's like it's like my wife in the other room working on Revit, and it's it does way more than she's capable of, and, and this goes for me too, right? Like it does way more than it than I'm capable of doing in it, and therefore I spend actually a majority of my time fighting it because it was designed to solve all the problems in air quotes, right? And therefore it doesn't really solve any of them very well, and it's band aid on top of band aid on top of 20-year-old code that was originally designed to do something one way, and now it we work a different way, and we can't do anything about it, right? It's a total black box. It's like, how do I solve this problem? Oh, there was an extra filter applied on that? Good luck finding that, right? This is, this is the kind of stuff we actually spend our time troubleshooting, and it's infuriating. And I don't, right. it's hard to find like a clear answer or a way out of this for everybody because everybody's got a different set of problems. Right. It exactly. does, it does make you actually, and I hate to say this, but it does make you long to go back to pencil and paper, right? Because that was so simple in con- contrast. Exactly. It, it was a level yes. playing field and you just had to be good at drawing. Exactly. You're like, oh, why are you doing that? I mean, it's just so old school because it's easy school. easy school i like it (laughs) this is like a saturday morning the more you know psa exactly architects come to easy school i wish it is it is kind of a mess and and it's like there there's the only way to solve this is for somebody to lead the solution to that and i think another problem that we have inside of architecture is that we don't like to follow other leads, right? We want to do it ourselves. And we're well, seemingly happy reinventing the wheel over and over on every project. True, true. And, but I mean, you know, then it goes back to the conversation that we were having earlier is like, when? 
when are we going to find that time to lead? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're too busy being led by working our in the business. Deadlines. Yeah, working yeah. in the business instead of on the business. Yeah, that, exactly. That's the distinction. I think that comes out of the E Myth Revisited book. Um, my wife started a business and and very early on decided she was going to everything that came up. It was going to get documented so that when somebody asked a question. It's like, check the manual, check the manual, check the manual. It's in there. And if it isn't in there, add it in there, right? Like this is the way we're going to, we're going to basically codify this so that the knowledge isn't all wrapped up into one person. And that one person never has the time to work on the business because they're so busy working in the business. And that's totally us. And I think another factor here that's really important, and I'm sure that you can totally relate to this is like, Making the the leap from doer to overseer is really hard because people just want to work on the projects. They want to do the work. That's where their true love is and their passion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it really takes kind of a totally different mindset to step back in a way and say, I'm going to be an enabler. I'm going to be a a smoother. I'm going to smooth out this rocky path for others and be that trail builder so that the whole entity gets better over time that that's you know it's a it's a harsh reality but a lot of people do not or are not willing to take that road well but you're again it's the same hitch is like we we're too busy working in the profession to work on the profession mm-hmm. and then when somebody does want to step back and work on the profession they're like well n- no because you're not billable you're not right. i mean you're so overhead we, now. we give yeah exactly it's like we don't have that research and development kind of overhead built into our overall company makeup. So we, you know, people have got to be, you know, X, X amount of percentage of a billable yeah. to, to really kind of like hold value in the company. It's a luxury which, we can't afford. And at the same time, you, it's detrimental if you can't afford it, Like right? You have to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and and not only that, but there's also kind of a stigma that goes along with it with certain individuals to say like, "Oh, you're 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 leaving the true calling of an architect to go do that other thing." When when are you coming yeah. back? When are you going to come back to? And it's like, so that's well, a, that's so like a when you, tough thing too. Well, we, okay, so think about this: when you know you were a designer, architect, designer, you know, you worked on projects and everything else, and then you made that shift prior to you know where you're at now you made that shift to, you know, director of digital practice and they're like, Oh, so you're not going to be working in architecture anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what did that? It's like, yeah, I mean that, and that, and that's a very real thing. And and it is kind of, it's, it's in a lot of times it's in good fun. It's, it's like talking crap about, you know, on the same team kind of a thing mm. and egging people on. And on the other hand, like there's, there's truth to that where it's like, yeah, like I see this other thing is way more important. That for me, that was my experience. Like, I, this is way more important. I want to enable you to do better work. And we're right. never going to get there if nobody does this. Yeah. But that's a very hard concept to kind of, because everybody has a different experience and everybody has different um, dreams and goals and their dreams and goals don't align with yours. I think this does go back to our episode about dinosaurs, right? I think there is very, and, and I've worked for people like this, that they demand you have the same experience that they did. Right. Right. And that that is the wrong place to be. I mean, you that's what's holding it. That is a big part of what's holding us back. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, if you think about it, like 
the experiences of those dinosaurs is completely different than the experience of people today. I mean, there's so, yeah, I mean, fundamentally, there's similarities in, you know, the the knowledge base that you need to design and, you know, detail out a building and get it ready for permitting and construction. Sure. That's, you know, that's that's pretty like there's a formula you can do that. But the ways of going about doing that and the ways of making it, I don't want to say easier, but smarter is is what, you know, people just like, I don't get it. I don't get why you're doing that. Why, you know, I mean, this is, you know, it's a no brainer. You just do this, this, this and this. It's like, yeah, but I could do this, this, this and this this way. And it's a hell of a lot easier, faster, gives us, you know, look at it this way. It gives us more profitability because now I'm not spending, you know, if, if you've got me allotted for a thousand hours on this project and I only really need to do it in 800 or 750. And so now, you know, like I've, I've just saved you 200, 250 hours of my time to then for me to be able to go on to something else and now we're even more profitable. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're hitting a profit margin that's a lot higher than that. You know, so if you start talking about that in dollars and cents, some of these dinosaurs might actually start to think, oh, shit, they're right. I mean, nobody's keeping we're... track of those extra 250 hours that you get. It's like, we'll spend those. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, <laughs> that's unfortunate I mean, that you, because. So if you're spending those those in that time, you know, in that time for the research, then you know, again, it's going to pay off like in the end. How Sorry. many times have you you done something like that? And you're like, I would like to get paid out in those hours right now. I would like that bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. There's not I'd a lot of incentive to. to do that. I mean, no. that, that's a, another kind of crazy thought. And and the other thing is that there's a lot of innovation that does happen within project teams. Like think about your projects that you're working on and somebody comes up with a cool way to do things and it does save a lot of time like that. And mm-hmm then it never leaves that team or it never leaves that person. Like sometimes those people are just like, I'm not going to tell anybody about this secret sauce I just came up with. And it's like, dude, that's the business's secret sauce. (laughs) That that can make everybody better, but there's not really a great mechanism to capture that knowledge and to share it with other people. And again, the timing isn't right about using that on a project right now. So it it kind of just languishes. It, It gets, maybe it does get packed away into the Indiana Jones warehouse of, endless wooden crates because they all look the same and nobody's going to search through the folder structure for a better way to do something. They're just going to look on YouTube and do it themselves again. So in our office, there's a guy that, you know, when we were in offices and he didn't sit too far away from me and he was working on some projects and he would be working in Rhino and Grasshopper and writing scripts and things like that as part of that project. And I've never I've never had anybody on my projects who've ever done that. I've never done that. And the the thing that I have like a, a massive disconnect with is that you know clearly there's an advantage to using this kind of software and writing scripts and and you know using this stuff, but I don't know it because you know again, blinders I don't have on. the time. Yeah. I I've got my blinders on because I see my deadline and I've got to work towards my deadline and get it done. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to do it with my bag of tricks. I'm going to follow up and I'm going to do that. And 
and there's clearly, I mean, you know, somebody's spending some time investing in one, knowing the project, knowing what, you know, knowing that process, knowing what that workflow of using, you know, the script writing um, can do for the project. What, what are the advantages in everything else? But we're just not company wide. It's not used project wide. It, it's talked about as something we can do, but it's not something that we really actually do mm-hmm. because every project's demands like you know so not only do i have you know what was originally a compressed schedule but now i have an even more compressed schedule by request of the client so now i've compressed my schedule even more so do i have time to sit down and learn rhino and grasshopper and write all these scripts and like actually understand what they would actually do as a benefit or you know advantage to my project no okay so how am i going to be able to like get this project delivered okay well here's my bag of tricks Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and what what the best thing you can do is is go to that person and say, do more of what you're doing, which is which is actively solving problems and who cares how you're actually doing it and reinforce that kind of continuous learning and innovation model because if you stifle it, those people are gonna be like, I'm gonna go find another place where yep. I can do yep. that. Uh I I've devised a better way to do this and you're telling me you don't value that. That's crazy, right? The, right. The best right. mentality to have is that problem-solving attitude, and the the beauty of it is like you, you Cormac, don't have to know how to do that. What you have to do is enable that person who does know how to do it, or who is interested in it, and does spend their extra time, whenever that is, whether that's on the clock or not, learning how to do that stuff is a fantastic yeah. resource to have at your disposal. And then Agreed. somehow figure out a way to broadcast that so that other people see the value, start to see the value in it. And and even if they can't use it right away, they can at least get their own kind of mental gears turning about the poten- the future potential of it. And they can just start asking questions. I think that's the, the best thing about it is to expose that that talent and that that skill is there and then make it available to other people when necessary, right? Because there there is value in capturing knowledge, but there's also just value in knowing who the right person to ask is when the problem comes up. And that's so that's a great great kind of distinction to make. One of the good things that I have just noticed um, recently is that we just put out on the calendar for next week and the following uh, few weeks is. Workflow Wednesdays, where we're going to be doing Rhino workshops, mm. which I think is fantastic because then I can finally say, okay, I mean, uh, you're right. All I need to know is how I can implement it, find the right people to be able to implement it, and actually like integrate that into my workflow. Because, I mean, as much as that person's got the knowledge, you know, at the very least, project managers, project architects, sort of need to know what the advantage of using these tools are to, you know, like how do they, how do you, I integrate that into my workflow Mm -hmm. that makes it an advantage to, you know, not only the uh, growing knowledge in the firm, but also just the, you know, the actual like workflow of the deliverable. I just talked about uh, a tactic that I employed on my last podcast when I was talking to Randy Deutsch and Mm -hmm. It comes up it, like this. What you just said leads me to think that this there's value to this, and it's something that I stole from Nathan Miller at Proving Ground. Um, 
which is a senior leadership computational design workshop. And this is something that I did early on when digital practice was just getting kind of off the ground and, and going at HMC. And that was have the highest leadership of the company learn how to use the software. And, and do I mean to a, a beginner level? Not even that, right? I'm, we're not talking about right. intermediate. We're not talking about expert, of course. We're talking about like less than beginner. But simply like, here's the state of the industry. Here's what's going on. Here's where we're missing out. And here's what's possible. Now let's wire some graphs together in Grasshopper and make a cube squish and squash and grow. And right. that alone was, I mean, the tactic was show them what's possible, show them the potential, and then show them some real scripts that can do real things like environmental analysis and, and optimization and things like that, where it's like, whoa, okay, all we really needed to do was to take a couple hours out of our day to really understand the potential and now they can become enablers of change. But it does take right. that kind of understanding. Otherwise, they're just buzzwords that just go in one ear out the other, and they don't really understand what they mean. So right. I think that's a key. That was a key turning point for us was to get, you know, the practice leader and the CEO and like just, okay, I'm going to install the software on your computer. You're actually going to do it. You're not just going to watch a PowerPoint on what, what it can do. That's not enough to engage you I have to bring you back to kind of your earlier days when you were an architect and when you did like to draw lines mm -hmm. on paper and get you building with legos on the computer here by wiring these graphs together and just like kind of reinvigorate that part of the brain that creative problem solving tinkering part of the brain under the hood kind of stuff right. and that right. that proved to be I think a, a pretty big moment, even though it didn't feel like it at the time, it was just like, let's see if this works. <laughs> and it, it ended up becoming something that started to change the culture around that. And that doesn't just go for software and technology. That goes for a lot of things in, in the business of architecture.